Hello and welcome back to The Shakedown, an F1 and motorsports learning podcast. My name is Ellie and along with Moni and Hannah we are learning about F1 and many other motorsport series too. In this episode we talk about some of the dramatic events of the Qatar Grand Prix and revisit F1 Academy and all that's happened ahead of the series finale which is taking place in Austin. As always, if you want to get in touch or have suggestions of things you want to know about, you can find us on Instagram at PrettyGirlF1Club and on Twitter at PGF1C. Or you can follow us on TikTok at PGF1C. But for now, enjoy! What, what happened to the L? He's gone on a Sunday. Fly, he goes fly, he goes fly and then whatever. On the road to victory. And, <laughs> and then it's just like, go 49ers, baby. Hi, Ellie. Hello and welcome to News Roundup. This is what happens when you leave Mon and I alone. We start singing football chants. Um, That's what happens when we pre-record the main segment of the episode and then do News Roundup after the race. And Ellie is not here to limit us on a Sunday. It's true. So it is officially the end of Qatar weekend. It was a eventful one. Um, some ways good, some ways bad. Perhaps the most important one is Max is now officially a three-peat champ. Congratulations, Max. We are very proud of you. And we cannot wait to see the rest of the season and next year as well. Mon, any thoughts? I mean, I haven't yet I have yet to see the actual race because I was driving home as it was basically going on for the most part. But yay, Max. I did I obviously knew Max won because apps and updates. So yay for Max on that. And then on winning the race and then becoming three-time champion. So it's official. My first ever time paying attention to the sport it was Max Verstappen, who won the world championship, and Red Bull, who won the constructors. Ironic yeah. plot twist for me, because when I started watching the sport, I was not the biggest Max fan, and now I'm out here part of the Max support fandom. So good 180 for me. It's called character me. growth. <laughs> it's called character growth. <laughs> it's called... I guess we're um... not making it all like that. I mean, but heard, it I, depends. I have, yeah, heard the race was interesting in good and bad ways. More so in the bad ways, which I have to. I don't know. We'll get into it. I have thoughts and feelings about, and that's probably just because of like job and education background. But heard it was yeah. eventful. Definitely sprint, eventful. Sprint route, Saturday was interesting in its own right. Not even just with the sprint, but the whole switching the track because of track limits. So track limits come back into play. So I'm happy I understood what those what that was after austria so just to kind of touch on that and and to wrap up the max celebration max is the first driver to get his championship on a saturday since nelson pk did it um which is a little funny if you think about it because that is max's girlfriend's father I did not know that, and that makes that fact a little bit more interesting, knowing that. It does, doesn't it? But yes, as Mon said, track limits decided to be the drama this weekend. We saw them physically change on Saturday. And Mon, what did we get in result of that physical change? For the first, well, I'm actually not for the first time, because it wasn't on a Sunday, but on a Saturday, so like before the sprint qualifying, they had a 10 little minute warm up, I guess you can call it, to like familiarize yourselves with the track. So that was definitely very new, because as far as I'm aware, that hasn't happened in a very long while on F1. 
So we talked about it last week a little bit about the third car. Mm -hmm. Turns out, I think it was Will Buxton who said it on my broadcast, but he said that there used to be a Sunday warm-up. I know we said that we didn't think that there was ever a Sunday warm-up. There used to be a Sunday warm-up that was like 20 minutes long when the third car still existed. So that's a little tie-in to our last episode. little Easter egg, if you will. Yeah, but go back and listen to that. They basically... Because the Pirelli found microcuts on some of the tires and separations between the wheel itself and the actual rubber, they put mm-hmm. a couple of changes to the weekend tire-wise. Tire talk. Woo! One of those... Never escape it. Never. The reason we have the familiarity is because the track became physically shorter. They moved twelve and 13, turns 12 and 13 inward by 80 centimeters and painted it. And then they added a max of 18 laps on the tires. Any compound does not matter. So if you went over that amount of laps on that one tire, you would get a black and white flag and be reported to the stewards. Question. Wasn't the track just literally resurfaced and like they changed the shape of the curbs? Mm -hmm. One, wasn't it related to track limits or did I make that up in my head? So it was related to tire wear because if you remember in I don't know if you've watched 2021 there was a lot of issues with tire wear in 2021 so we had four different retirements pretty much based off of tire wear I remember them talking about that during Saturday because when they were talking about like the tire stuff just because and they were showing clips of uh Valtteri Mm-hmm. what happened with his tire and then what happened with pierre's tire that race and that Pierre's so that, tire was drastic and that was quality yeah and they're yeah. like this is why they're like doing this now so interesting isn't that yeah, a new so, track too no it's not okay Lasai, remember lasai is for gp moto gp oh, okay 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 so lasai has been around for a bit it's a newer track what you're thinking about is they actually took they leveled the entire paddock and they built what the F1 TV commentators and Sky commentators called a mall, which is literally what it was. It was this beautiful paddock, and it was all brand new, but they built it in eight months, and it was so high quality that people were asking why they didn't just level the entire track and build it over. Interesting. Now, I mean, that's a valid question. It's a valid question. I think it's a valid question, and I think the reason it's a valid question is because well, it's a half valid question. I say half valid because it isn't just, and was it was it isn't just for Formula One like exactly your Las Vegas or your Miami. It was built with MotoGP in mind, and MotoGP still has mm-hmm. to go there this year, I think. Or they've been there. I think they already went there. I could be I, wrong. Yeah, I think that's how they start their season. But yeah, that's how they start their season. I can't remember even what I said last last week. This is a problem. It's fine. But kind of moving on just a little bit, to get to the race itself, we had some major issues. For one, sorry if you hear things in the background, the Eagles game is going and my dad's making wings. Um, Importance, things on the Sunday, honestly. The most, the weirdest one to happen is that Carlos did not start the race, didn't even make it out of the garage. Yeah. The reason is because he they found a fuel leak in his fuel tank, physical fuel tank. Okay, and that's not just something you can patch. You literally have to take the car mm-hmm. apart and replace the Kevlar bladder. So you can't just do that yeah. really quickly. So he didn't start. The other one is that takeaway is track limits are the drama this weekend. We had so many violations 
Um, and Pierre was going for the crown of the most violations possible. He's lucky they took away penalty points for track limit violations last year. And then driver health. That's the one I have, I guess, the most questions and comments about. Oh, like, yeah, track limits. They're interesting, I guess, we can say. And yeah, they decided to show up again this year on, for this race. But the driver health one, I guess, is the one I have questions. But Hannah, why was that a concern that people now have as the race has ended? It was unreasonably hot in Qatar this time around. And I don't remember, honestly, what the reaction was to Qatar last time around because it was two years ago. And I do not remember any of that weekend aside from what I've already, what I've rewatched, basically. Let's just say there was multiple, if you're squeamish, skip this part. Um, there was multiple issues of almost throwing up in helmets. There was acute heat exposure. There was fainting. There was ba- severe dehydration. And these drivers don't know how to s- know when they're done. Like, there should have been so many retirements probably based off of health and safety. But we only had one. That was Logan, right? Yeah. Because he already had flu-like symptoms going into the race. And he sucked it up like mm-hmm. any athlete would. And he got in the car. Mm-hmm. And he did actually really well until it got too much. He was up in the top 10 for a good long while until they would pit him. And then he dropped back down because you lost 24 seconds. And the field was only 24 seconds apart. Of course, minus Max, um, who was off in the sunset. Um, watching his cat videos. That's watching why his cat videos on his dashboard. Awesome. Yes. That's, that's why I picture my head, but yes. So minus Max, the entire field was pretty much only 24 seconds apart. To, show, to tell you how close everyone was. Alex Albon led laps. Are you kidding me? Monica didn't know this, and I'm sorry, but I definitely texted this it's in the group chat. So I'm not a spoiler. <laughs> fine it's fine it's just like it blows my mind and i can't wait to rewatch for that part but i also no, i know it's an eventful race but i guess knowing that there's no like in my opinion personal opinion there's no such thing as a heat heat exposure it's either it's heat exposure or it's not and it's just like they're suffering and those symptoms and what that does to you physically isn't safe to drive the cars they do at those speeds like it's not safe for high school athletes to do their sports and they're doing normal sports, let alone these athletes that are driving these, this kind of machinery around at the speeds they're doing. And that they were feeling yeah. those symptoms when it easily get progressively worse as we, like, we've covered how much weight they lose in, when it comes to water alone. And it's just like, um, how is this possible, <laughs> I guess? to have them drive in weather like that where it can get to that level which is why i don't know when i mentioned that like it's it's it honestly shocks me that miami at the time of year it is is a day race versus a night race because of the humidity alone yeah and the impact it has it was roasting so it's like like how are there not regulations when it comes to like i can see why they it will be i guess you can argue it's like oh you can never predict the weather for when it's like that but like other sports you can't predict whether but they have regulations for like when it gets to the same level these are things that have to happen or like for things like that so does the fia have anything like that or like when it comes to like protecting drivers from their own selves because as we saw we have the we have the driver we have the grand prix drivers um association 
but we don't have anything that I don't think it's public knowledge what is included in that union. So that's definitely a question to do some research research on. It should, yeah. We just had we had a lot of issues post race and a lot of issues during the race that we probably didn't hear if you weren't listening to radios. Other than that, so moving on swiftly to other news. <laughs> oh, yeah, swiftly because I think we can have this conversation forever. Yeah, we could, Especially we could probably do it. Here. Mm-hmm. A whole episode, at least half an episode on this topic. So at let's least. quickly move it along. So to recap, Daniel Ricardo is expected to return Dakota this coming race, which is going to be super fun. And if he comes back on Horsey McHorse, we know that us at the Shakedown will be very happy. Do we think it's going to happen? We don't know. Holly Behrman, F2 driver, will be driving for two FP1 sessions for Haas Yay, in Mexico Ollie. and Abu Dhabi. Yay, Ollie! We're super proud of you. AlphaTauri is set to announce their new name at the USGP this year. So, Akoda. Mm-hmm. So, I'm assuming that, thir- that Thursday we'll know. Probably Thursday, yes. Thursday. Um, the ones Ooh. that I've heard on the table are Haas and Adidas. Or Adidas, if you want to get fancy. Adidas. <laughs> Adidas. Interesting, interesting. Okay. But, yeah. I think that's all the, the news that I have. Do you have any other news? Nah, I think that's basically it. Like, like the episode that this is going with is us talking about F one Academy and like a little F one Academy update about how we feel about this timey, this light broadcasting of F one Academy, and we do the mental math for you when it comes to time zones. If you're Pacific, like West Coast, East Coast of the United States, and then the UK times, so yes. that can help. If you can skip to those parts if you want to know when the f1 academy will be on tv for you i think that's that's it from us here I hope... it's always weird when it's just two of us because i never know how to I end know. this but i hope you guys enjoy the the episode that comes after this hello everybody and welcome back to the shakedown we are doing a kind of second parter episode today ellie you want to tell us what we're talking about yeah, so we are, we're not recording this too far in advance. We are recording it a little bit in advance. So in, from the point that this episode comes out, in a week's time, 10 days time, you will have the uh, US Grand Prix. We have Austin. And one of the hugely exciting things about Austin is, obviously it's called American Race and all of that, but it is also going to be the first time where we're going to have a broadcast of F1 Academy. So for those of you who maybe don't quite remember what f1 academy is first of all please do check out our f1 academy episode it was probably all episode i want to say it was like episode four yeah it was three or four for definite like it was it was up there with like really very much so at the beginning and we spoke about f1 academy so f1 academy was launched by f1 this year to help prepare female drivers age 16 to 25 or like progression basically further up the motorsports ladder so there are five teams in f1 academy they each have three drivers all of the teams that are part of it are ones that if you watch any of the feeder series f2 and f3 you will be familiar with the names of those teams they're really established they are competitive but you know it was a, a good platform for them so we have had six rounds this year so far of f1 academy and each round has had three races three competitive races and we find ourselves at the point where the seventh round is going to be taking place in Austin. 
It is going to be taking place alongside the F1 weekend. And is the thing that's incredibly exciting is it will be broadcast for the first time this year. So if you have tried to follow F1 Academy at any point this past year, you'll notice that you probably got race recaps on YouTube and things like that. And, you know, they've done a decent job of giving us those, but those supplement actually being able to watch the whole race live like we get in F1, not replace it almost. So, yeah, we're going to get to see that uh, over the weekend on the 20th to the 22nd of October in Austin for the US Grand Prix. And I, for one, I'm just really, really excited. The other really exciting thing about it is there isn't a champion yet. There isn't a clear winner, particularly because they have the three races across the weekend where there's so many points available. You know, it is up for grabs. Like, there are people, we'll we'll get onto it a little bit, we'll do a bit of a recap of the season in about five, ten minutes' time. But, you know, it is technically still open. And, yeah, I'm really excited. So we're going to talk a little bit about why you can watch it. Going to a little bit talk a little bit about when you can watch it, but also we do want to get you a little bit up to date on it and talk about you know this inaugural year of F1 Academy. So, guys, are you excited? I didn't know the championship wasn't locked in yet. That's exciting. That makes it even more exciting for me to watch it. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. And Austin is the last round, so you'll have a champion by the end of the weekend. Yeah, it's they'll crown someone this weekend. weekend. Damn, that's exciting. It is exciting. Right. And like I say, there's the the person in first has a forty-eight point gap. So it like I say, it's not a done deal. And because there are three races, it's not a done deal. But there is still yeah. Forty eight points is still quite a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in this in this one, I don't think it's really that much. And like in this series, so, I don't think it's it's a lot. Like it's it's literally not even a weekend's worth of points. Yeah, no, and that's why I say it's not done. Yeah. But it yeah. Exactly. So this is a random question, I guess. Mm. Uh, so it's running along to the F1 this year. I re- do I remember us talking about like, briefly how next year for F1 Academy, it's basically going to run, a, like, not all the races like, where it's a freebie series weekend, but they're going to be doing that as well now. And like, we'll, we'll actually probably be able to watch it, like, the whole season because of, like, the setup of how it's going to be for next year. Yeah. So they're going to run it alongside just, like, a theater series, my guess. Although we don't, I don't know if we have a calendar yet for any of the feeder series, if I'm honest with you. We might have one for F3. I, If I had to guess, I would say that they're probably going to have it run with F2 weekends that are not with F3 weekends. F3. With the only exception probably being Austin, if they do it again, and Silverstone. Well, I mm-hmm. don't think F2 are racing in Austin next year. We do have the F2 calendar because they're not racing in Zambor this year. This was the last year they did Zambor and they are racing in Qatar. So there's now two. Yes races at the end of the season rather than just that random one which they have so i think you're potentially right i think that could be a good way to do it, it i think the big advantage if we've not covered this already which i think we did when it first got announced about f1 academy coming alongside the, the main stuff the, the big advantage for this of this for the drivers is the networking it's the ability mm. to be in the paddocks be around teams who they can try and persuade to sponsor them because the truth is whilst you can have all those conversations like via remote technology and all of those things it makes such a difference just being in the paddock with people it makes such a difference you can get to know them you can be more personable you can just become a more familiar face to be around for them and i think that was one of the things w series actually did do quite well was 
to be scheduled alongside some of the race weekends so that people could network and do all of those things. So one of the other really exciting things that F1 Academy has announced will change for next year is not only will the races be on the same weekend as F1 races, but we've also got the announcement of the commitment from all 10 F1 teams to nominate a driver and the livery of one car competing in F1 Academy will be linked to one of the F1 teams, which is super exciting. Andretti, you know, we've touched on, will that mean there's 11th? I don't know. We don't know that yet. But with the introduction of sort of these liveries and almost sponsored cars, I guess, again, that's another opportunity for the teams in F1 Academy to network with the teams in F1 and to start to build relationship. Because ultimately, if this series is to help them eventually maybe progress to F1, getting to know F1 teams and being known by F1 teams will only benefit that mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, and I think you I think that's something that is really like important that it's think about it as like how F2 does it now. They have their academy drivers, mm-hmm. their academy drivers race in their livery. It's the same thing. Yeah. It, except for mm-hmm. they're not attached. Like I does this come with an attachment to an academy now? Even though some teams don't have an academy? I don't believe so. So there is that one caveat then. From what we've seen, it is literally just that they are committing to nominate a driver. It would make sense to incorporate that into their academy, but it, I don't think it's specified. Some dri- some teams don't have academies, so I think it would make it a bit more difficult from that point of view to make that an official thing. But you'd think that it would make sense. Or potentially it's a trial year that if they do well in that year where they're nominated by the team, it could lead to a place in the academy because the academy brings with it sponsorship and mm-hmm. networking opportunities and all of these. At the moment, we only have two F1 academy drivers who are linked to driver academies. Do you know mm-hmm. who they are? Abby Pauling, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know who she's linked to? Alpine? Yep. Not it. I don't, I'm trying to remember. I know the Bianca was, isn't isn't one but she's a prima driver but she's not ferrari okay no she isn't you see her in red and that's what confuses me yeah but no the uh, the other one yeah i genuinely didn't know that this f1 team had an academy uh well i did but not a big one is lena bula is linked to the alfa romeo academy she's an alfa romeo academy driver really yeah no no those are the only two yeah well, the Alfa Romeo Academy is tiny as itself. It's two drivers. Then I thought okay. it was just one. There's, there's technically four. Is there four? But they're in much more obscure categories that we don't really know. I don't know if they're F3 drivers or if they were just Freca drivers. They're a little bit more yeah. out there. But really, it's Teo and, and Lena. So, But she's doing very well. She's in, currently in P2 in the F1 Academy standings. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's really positive. And you, so you would imagine that going into next year of the 10 teams those two are probably already out of the equation. It would also not be beyond the realm of possibility to assume that Ferrari will choose Bianca because of the links to Crema, but we don't know that yet. We mm-hmm. also don't actually know which of the current 15 F1 Academy drivers will be driving again in F1 Academy next year. It's not a mm-hmm. guaranteed thing guaranteed. because it is so much more about being able to secure the funding and all of that rather than being signed by a team in quite the same way but then some of this sponsorship or this nomination with the formula one teams could also 
be part of what guarantees them their seat in F1 Academy next year. Like, we just don't quite know the yeah. ins and outs of, of how some of that works. I think, like, we're focused on the drivers, too. But, like, I think in general for, like, I guess everyone that works in motorsports, like, I feel like F1 Academy, if I remember correctly, is, like, basically staffed by women, if not the majority of the people that work yeah. on the teams are women, right? So I feel like mm-hmm. that in itself, like, hack, building that connection with, like, specific teams is, like, even more so, like, it opens the ground of, like, more people to, like, I guess, bring mm-hmm. into, like, positions you have, which is cool in itself, because, like, in general, more women, which is more awesomeness, but it's just, like, yes, the drivers, but I think, like, the bigger scope of it, it's also really cool if you think about it that way. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, like, for if part of the point is to inspire a generation of young women, this will mm-hmm. hopefully inspire not just the ones who want and can drive a car, but the ones who want to be involved in the team, who maybe want to be team principals, who want to be strategists. And yes, okay, you do see that in F1, but yeah, seeing it in all female or majority of the female environment is also really kind of awesome, really. So, Hannah, what were you going to say? I had, I just, I had a really bad thought, but. It's also just a really valid question. What about the four to five drivers that don't get nominated? Like, do they just not? Like, I feel like that would really suck. Mm -hmm. I think so. And the way I would imagine it will work, and this is based on absolutely no knowledge whatsoever, is that we obviously have five teams. So you'd think they would split them across the team. So each team would have two nominated drivers and one unnominated driver. Mm -hmm. I would imagine will mean is there is more personal sponsorship that needs to be raised like he, i think it was like 150,000 pounds they yeah. needed to be able to buy in basically and i would imagine that some of that 150,000 will be paid by whichever team is nominating them so yes it's unfair and yes it's awkward and yes it's not nice but it's sports and it's competitive and it's life and i would imagine it's just that they personally will have more financial involvement support well less financial support in fact yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but the five that don't yeah. get the support from the team i would imagine it probably just means they're funding a bit more themselves and they're looking for mm-hmm. more of that support elsewhere i don't know we don't know it's kind of been one of these things that's very much not talked about is that it's like oh and there's gonna be 10 cars and 10 drivers that are gonna get sponsored Woo! and well, there's been like, a few people who've been like about the others and then we don't really have an answer to that sadly wouldn't that possibly mean that like the the driver that is unsponsored that drives for like whatever i don't know the teams off the top of my head but like wouldn't that ART crema yeah Yeah. like wouldn't like art like it could possibly mean like art has more funding for like that unsponsored driver Mm -hmm. i wonder that too that then maybe they get like even just a reduced fee and it's acknowledged that the team puts a bit more i don't know we don't know because you would imagine god this is going to sound really horrible you would imagine that of the 15 it's probably the top 10 that are getting picked up by a team oh yeah that's what i was thinking because when you said when you said it would be bianca that got picked up by ferrari she's not the top prima driver who's the top prima driver i don't want to butcher the name alcabasi we'll attempt alcabasi i think is the name which one? The la- the last Which one? The two See, sisters. That's the problem. I can't tell. Okay. Whichever one is the I think they both do, which is a problem. I don't Wait, they're they sisters? Do. Oh, no, they do. Uh, they're I think sisters? It... There are two sisters in this? Both try for MP Motorsport. Oh, no, they both try. I'm going to say they both try for MP. 
It's Chloe Chung who's hot, uh, fed up in Kevin. Yeah, okay. So I thought for the some reason... The video they did with Danny Kvyat was amazing. Anyways, sorry. Why did I think both of the Alcabasi sisters were in Prema? Maybe they were a couple years they're ago. They're both an MP. Yeah, they're both an MP. No, interestingly, actually, the Prema is smarter than Bianca. And so Marta's Chloe. actually the top driver in Prema. Yeah. So Marta's the top Prema driver. So okay. she might get the Ferrari endorsement. But then Ferrari have obviously got their links to Haas, which we've already seen in mm-hmm. Oli doing this, this FP1 sessions for Haas, that potentially they would sort of tie mm-hmm. into the links. I think it's hard to tell, but but you're right in that it's likely that the five less well-performing drivers are likely to be the ones that don't get picked up unless they already have a link to a team, a team. because of history or other connections and things like that. So... Time will tell, I guess. And like I said, we don't know the, the actual grid for next year. It could be the same 15. It could be new faces. It could be... We don't know. I'd imagine there aren't going to be 15 completely new drivers. <laughs> but no. You never know. Wild yep. things happen. So yeah. So I think it will be very interesting to see how it all plays out because we've got the finish in two weeks' time and then probably there's going to be a gap for four or five months. Maybe testing will resume around February. So potentially I think we're that mm-hmm. is an off season effectively, but all the stuff will be going on in the background that we just maybe won't see. Mm-hmm. So there's usually at least one or two postseason days that's not that far after the end. I know that like Formula Three has a couple that happened or are happening the week that this is going to be released. So definitely not that far afterwards. Probably like a month out, so maybe even January. Um, you'll get some action mm-hmm. from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the season. How has it been from this first season, from the, the limited watching that we've been able to have? Has it been people streaking away with the lead? Has it been a reasonably competitive field? Hannah, I know you've looked into this a little bit. Talk to us. Talk to us about the you know, competitive racing, or competitive nature of the racing. So because it is a spec series like the other feeder series, it's a more mm-hmm. level playing field when it comes to from the mechanical side. The human side right. is always going to be different, right? That being said, it's just as if more competitive than the feeder series that we're used to in Formula 2 and Formula 3. Like, there isn't a clear lead. There is not a clear champion. Like, mm-hmm. we were talking about it before we started recording. And fun little stat, 11 out of 15 drivers have won a race. Wow. That's of impressive. 18 races? Because if there's three races a weekend and there's been six weekends, that's 11 out of 18 yep right mm-hmm. wow which is so cool yeah and this is something that has continued on from w series last year when or last year last year when w series was in their last season they had eight different winners in their mm-hmm. or seven seven i don't remember it was they had a ton of different winners like it was a normal thing to have all these different winners you don't have i'm sorry max you know that I, we all know that I love Max, but it's not just one person's show like it is for Max. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not somebody yeah. streaking away with lead. There's a very, there's a weekend's, they, this is going to be the last weekend of it for this year. It is not a clear champion yet. Nobody's sealed the deal yet. And we don't even think they're going to be able to seal the deal within, before the end of race three. So we're, right. we're see how it goes. But it'll definitely be interesting and exciting, especially because Coda is different from a lot of the tracks that they've driven. (laughs) (laughs) 
really but even so, 11 yeah. of them having 11 different drivers having been involved at that level like you say it is a spec series so we are used to seeing it but even in things like f2 we have seen occasions where there has just been flat out dominance from one person anyway mm-hmm. so it's really exciting to see that level of competitiveness across the board i think it's it's really encouraging and really positive that there's so many drivers who are in the mix of it yeah and it's definitely it's shutting down all the naysayers which is really nice the only Mm -hmm. thing that they still have to work on is exposure because one of the pillars of this whole series one of the main points they were like this is why we're doing this is exposure and it took them Mm -hmm. a year to figure it out and even then like even then and i'm gonna say this not as like a slam to anybody but Reese Witherspoon and Hello Sunshine apparently picked up a docuseries but then they mentioned it once and it was never heard of again until Mm -hmm. recently when I decided to research some stuff Mm -hmm. and Ellie was like no that's an idea already that they're already doing that and I was like are we sure um (laughs) well and we don't like say we haven't massively heard much more about it I think one of the interesting things about it that we don't know and I think we've discussed this potentially not on air maybe it's something we've just discussed between the three of us that we don't know when F1 Academy was born basically so obviously you know Mm -hmm. W Series didn't finish its season last year and then all of a sudden we got this announcement about F1 Academy and the reality is these things take a long time to set up these things take a long time to plan these things take a long time to organize and there's an argument that has been made that they potentially just weren't quite ready for f1 academy to be happening this year i think they probably thought they had another year of w series and then f1 academy potentially was going to have a bigger launch this year to begin in 2024 and so Mm -hmm. they did what they did their best with it and they did what they could with it and you know it's very difficult to know if this was always the plan was that it wasn't going to be broadcast and i've also heard some very interesting valid commentary that actually the f1 academy drivers being given the opportunity to perform and practice and have a go and grow absolutely without tons of spotlight on them and tons of eyes on them may have been a really positive thing because as we said this is for 16 25 year old young women they are probably used to thousands of horrific comments anyway never mind when they have comments about the skill or otherwise of a particular race or particular weekend and gosh do i hope that doesn't happen in austin and next year yes do i think it will anyway yes unfortunately and so maybe it's been a good thing and i'm so excited in austin for them to get to race in front of fans because i think that will be amazing and if you're going to austin we're going to provide you with the times in a bit to hopefully mean that you can actually get to the race and things like that but yeah i just really hope that it is a really positive change for them to be being broadcast rather than it Mm -hmm. bringing with it yes extra support but also extra negativity because that would just be so horrible (laughs) and so not what not the direction that we want to go in Mm -hmm. yeah i think it'll be a welcome change and i think that we are definitely headed in the right direction mm-hmm. with it. But like you said, and like I mentioned in that in the first episode we did about F1 Academy, 
They really took the jump that they needed to stay on the coattails of a dying series and still be relevant. Because if they had taken mm-hmm. a year off, it would no longer be relevant. It would no longer be this thing that people would want to hear about. And maybe like it mm-hmm. it, ris- it risks the chance of completely dying. And then it's a yeah. dead money pit. So yeah. they really had to ride the coattails while it was still in the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so I think that you're right in saying they may have jumped the gun a little bit, but they had to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys, either of you guys managed to catch that the two girls who, that's the same that the three of us met. So our mothers, shall we say, they did an interview with Jamie Chadwick, who obviously three-time W Series winner. And that was like maybe like two, three weeks ago. Maybe it was a bit longer. I think it was the summer. But they didn't interview with her and asked her about F1 Academy as to what she thought about it. And, you know, she was inevitably diplomatic and very well spoken mm-hmm. about it. But she made a really good point where she was like, progress is good. Doing something and continuing something, as you just said, is important and is really healthy. Is it perfect? No. Do things always need tweaking, particularly like in their first season? Yes, absolutely. And so it was really healthy, I think, for me to hear someone who has been there and who has done it as a woman and mm-hmm. who is now driving in India NXT go, no, do you know what? I think they're on the right line and I think it's really good that they are doing something. So, yeah, I mm-hmm. thought that was a good, uh, what's the word? She's a good person to have celebrated and she's someone whose opinion mm-hmm. might be like, oh, okay, you probably know this better than most. So it's good to hear from you. So, mm-hmm. yeah. One of the other things that related to, but not directly impacted by F1 Academy that we that we wanted to touch on is Jessica Hawkins did a F1 test for Aston Martin. I can't remember we mentioned it last week. I don't know if we did, uh, but we, you know we, we. Well, it's one of those things where really really exciting. She did some testing in an F1 car. First woman to do that since Susie Wolf did an FP1 session for Williams, I believe. And she spoke to the Sky commentary team in FP1 Actar. I listened into it to a few bits of it and made a few notes. And just some of the stuff she said was really, really interesting. So she, she isn't the right age to drive in F1 Academy, I don't think. She did W Series. She's been working at the University of Wolverhampton, looking for funding for her to potentially do GT3 next year. But she is an Aston Martin driver ambassador. So... She was saying, because the, the guys were kind of asking her, they said, oh, are we going to see you in an FP1 session anytime soon? And she basically was like, well, no, because I don't have enough super license points. Mm. And I was like, what? How does she not have enough super license points? Like, feeder series and stuff like that, they get super license points. And to clarify, you don't need a full 40 super license points. Well, no, you don't need the full 40 points that you need to get your super license to be able to drive an FP1. You do to be able to drive an F1, but in order to do sessions, it's a slightly reduced amount. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it brought up two interesting things for me. One, gosh, that's really sad for her that she can do a test in an F1 car and hopefully has done an amazing job, said it was incredible, said it was interesting, very similar to driving it in the sim, which is super mm-hmm. cool to hear. But doesn't have enough points to do an fp1 test where someone like ollie behrman who is in his first year of f2 and 
didn't win F3. So they placed third. Yeah, so in my head, that's 12 points on a super license, maybe? No, that's 30 points on a super license. Okay, but that's the point, is if he yeah. in third in F3 has 30 mm-hmm. points on his super license to be able to drive in FP1, what does that mean? Because I think, if I remember right, F1 Academy winner got 15 points on their super license, maybe mm-hmm. 20. Yeah, 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 I've got it written down somewhere, but I'll let you look it up. But essentially, the, it's still unclear where F1 Academy is going to be placed in terms of both the F1 schedule on a Sunday and also in terms of how many points and things like that will equate to. That mm-hmm. then becomes really relevant when you're talking about FP1 sessions. So what were the F1, mm-hmm. the, sorry, the W Series ones, kind of? So to correct myself real quick, it is 20 points on his super license for third place in Formula 3. Right. The, um, it's down here, W Series. 15 points for the winner, 12 for second place, 10 for third. Interesting. Why? We do not have anything here for F1 Academy yet. Basically, it gets slightly more than Formula 4. Interesting. Which is baffling. And like I say, I don't know where the FIA are thinking F1 Academy pitches. Obviously, they've said part of it is to help build, like, make a path to F1. They're not necessarily saying you can graduate straight from F1 Academy to F1. You might have to go through another feeder series, but I'm intrigued to know where they're going to pitch it. And also, I'm intrigued to know what whoever ends up winning is going to get in terms of super license points. Because for me, particularly with these links to the liveries of the cars, the driver academies and things like that, I would be so hopeful like genuinely devastatingly hopeful that we might see a woman in SP, in FP1 next. That'd be, that'd be because legit. Because in theory, it should be possible. It should. If that's what we're saying is part of it, it or if not next year, maybe the year after. Mm-hmm. But we don't know the details of the superlicensed points. We don't know the details of where they are considering pitching it in terms of skill level. We just mm-hmm. don't know the information on that. We don't know this. I, I I couldn't even recall off the top of my head some of the lap times to be able to compare it on those tracks to the F3s and the F2s. Uh-huh. Um, but it was just a really interesting point that, that Jessica brought up going, well, I don't have enough super license points to compete in an FP1. And mm-hmm. I mean, someone like Ollie doesn't either. He doesn't have enough points to drive an F1 yet, but he, you have to have a certain, I think it's 25 points mm-hmm. you need He's to be able that. to drive. Yeah, you, you need 25 points to be able to drive in an FP1 session. And an FP1 mm. session, if you do over 100 kilometers, will gain you an extra one, and so on and so forth. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's, it's a practice-only license. So mm-hmm. they can't yeah. do a Grand Prix. And basically, you have to be really careful about who you choose during your weekend. So mm-hmm. this brings up a new point. So who do you, remember how we talked about potentially having a young driver do an FP1 session and then being able to qualify as having done that FP1 session so they could take over if they needed to. Yeah. What mm-hmm. happens if they can't if they can't like, do an FP1 session? Right. Yep. So Fair that'll valid. be really interesting to see because mm-hmm. if Liam didn't have, have enough, Alvatore would be really screwed right now. Right. Yeah. But he does. Right. He got third last year. 
Yeah, it's just a very interesting thing of how the super license points work. And I think when we first spoke about the super license, we mentioned how there was no consistency for W series at that point. And yeah, mm-hmm. time will tell. We'll we'll find out hopefully after Austin how many points whoever ends up winning will get for the winning. But is there anything else that we want to say in terms of the details of the year, how it's played out, all of that kind of stuff? Any momentous occasions? Bianca, when she won, they played the Filipino anthem, and I know that that was a really big deal for her. And I know that she got a lot of support. Yeah, she got she got P one in Spain, so she got a lot of support back home. I think they put her face on a building. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, that rings a bell, yeah. But yeah. it was a really big deal for her because there aren't many Filipinos, period, who are in mm-hmm. this line of work. So love that. So it was just a really big moment for her, and I remember that one circularly sticking out in my head. But um, I want to say that like this whole thing is like a a big deal for a lot of girls but that's the big mm-hmm. one that sticks out the only other one i recall is there was a and slightly it's on the other end of the positive emotion scale was there was a really big crash in monza between bianca and chloe grant who's a mm-hmm. british driver mm-hmm. scottish driver and chloe it was in the second race i believe it was on the saturday and they had a collision in monza chloe's car flipped over a few times like and she sat out the rest of the weekend basically and I listened to an interview with her talking about it and she was you know she it was really good of her to talk about it because I'm not sure you'd ever really want to relive moments like that but she was saying that like one of the things that goes through your mind in that moment particularly in these feeder series where they're bringing up so much of the funding herself is going oh my gosh I don't know how my family's going to pay for this and it just Mm -hmm. hugely grounded it for me in that moment that like Yes, okay, there's £150,000 to get in, which is money raised and sponsorship and all of those kind of parts of it. But ultimately, and we've seen it in F2 this year, unfortunately, if a driver is causing that much damage and costing the team that much because obviously parts do need replacing, there comes a point where either the driver needs to be paying for that or mm-hmm. they're going to get replaced and... and that must be such a scary thing when you are a driver who is maybe not performing as well as you would want and there are physical car consequences to that situation. Mm-hmm. It must really be quite hard. <laughs> and thankfully, I think that's the only major crash that there's been. But it just brings it home that particularly in feeder series, and not that it's not in F1 as well, but particularly in the feeder series where budgets are very, very different, it is... The responsibility does seem to fall with the drivers when those kind of things happen that they do have to take into consideration, which is obviously really sad. In terms of then the Austin race weekend, unless we have any more to say on any more, where can people watch it? In the US ESPN. Yep. It is also so in the UK. It is on, going to be on Sky. And wherever you are on the F1 Academy website, you should be able to look for your region where you can watch it. The Instagram post where they said that it was going to be broadcasted, if you scroll on the carousel, it says it by region of the world where Mm -hmm. you can watch it on TV. It does. The other really exciting thing is that fans across all regions can tune into qualifying sessions and the races themselves via F1's YouTube 
Twitter, Facebook, and via F1 TV. So if you have access to those kind of things, you should be able to watch that wherever you are because they want to make Speaking it successful. Of, huh? I sent F1 TV notification. <laughs> there you go. Uh, they knew you were talking about it. Ears were burning. Um, so in terms of timings for the weekend, then, we are going to attempt to do <laughs> the timings in each of our time zones. So I am British summertime. I'm the UK. So anybody in, in the UK will be same time as me. Europe will be plus one. Hannah, you are representing the East Coast. Yes, so I am in EST right now. And Molly, you are representing the West Coast of America. You are PST? PST, baby. Yes, I'm doing so well. Honestly, uh, slight side note. The logistics involved in doing this podcast where three people are in three different time zones, it gets you really good at converting. Mm-hmm. Not better at it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I have in front of me what I think <laughs> are the UK timings. Now, okay. we're going to give this a go. And if it goes wrong, it's going to be fine. It's not going to go wrong. So on the Friday, October 20th, practice mm-hmm. one in the UK is at 2.15pm. Okay, so that's okay. 10 here. So for 9.15 for you. And 6.15 for money. Yeah, 6.15 for me. And in Austin, local time, that would be... 8. It's two hours ahead of California. Yeah, so that probably sounds about right. So their first practice to be at about eight fifteen in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. Two hours. It's two it hours. Be, it wouldn't be that their first practice was two fifteen in the afternoon, which is why I think all of the times are UK. Okay, we're going with this. So practice one in the UK two fifteen on the East Coast nine fifteen on the West Coast six fifteen mm-hmm. in the morning. Practice two in the UK seven fifty five p.m. So. On the East Coast, 2.55 p.m. And on the West Coast, basically 11. 5 to midday. Yeah, 11.55. Mm-hmm. Qualifying then is going to be, for me in the UK, 11.30 p.m. qualifying. So Hannah, for you, that's 6.30. Mon, mm-hmm. for you, that is 3.30. Mm-hmm. So that's your Friday. That's your practice one, two, and your qualifying. Come to Saturday, and we've got our actual race. So race one is UK time 3.30pm, which means East Coast time 10.30am and West mm-hmm. Coast time 7.30am. Am I right? Yes, you are correct. correct. I don't, are you sure? Yes. If it's 10.30 Eastern, it's 7.30am. Yeah, no, no, okay, yeah, we're good. We're doing well. Um, race 2 then is 9.15pm UK time which means it is 4.15pm East Coast time and 1.15pm West Coast time. Correct. Sunday, <laughs> October 22nd. <laughs> I'm going to tweet these out. We're, we're, we're going to post these somewhere where we can give you the actual timings per time zone on one sheet. So you can just pick the one that's relevant to you. But it's good to have it in your brain so you can plan it a little bit. So finally then, on Sunday, the October 22nd, the race for me is in the UK is at 3.30 p.m., which means mm-hmm. for Hannah it's 10.30 a.m. and for Moni it's 7.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. So if you are going to Austin, if you are around Austin, I appreciate that some of these times are reasonably early. Like you're, you're talking like 8. 10 a.m. Start, 8 o'clock, yeah, um, 8, 9 o'clock start. But that's often how it works with the feeder series is to give space for the F1 races, which are, after all, kind of the main event of the weekend, 
they often are quite early on. Mon, I'm sure you said the same when you went to the IndyCar that some of the races that were oh, yeah. also on there were just on at early times. That's kind of mm-hmm. how it works. So this isn't a huge surprise. Obviously, if this is your first time watching a feeder series, you might be like, yo, why is this so early? And particularly when it comes to the European time zone, it's not great for Americans. Sorry about that. It's really not. <laughs> it's... So no, are all the all the European and UK people that were complaining about Japan times when Suzuka happened, I was like, "Welcome to my life as a California yeah. fan." Thank you. Yeah, I don't mind it, and I, I'll like- tell you why I don't mind it. I don't mind it because you literally get to watch the race in the morning, and then you have the rest of the day. That's yeah, true. I Definitely don't mind time. I I actually prefer Japan's timings to America's timings. I don't like them. Um, they don't work for me. Uh, qualifying at like 11 o'clock, and I'm like, I'm really sorry, I go to bed early and then get up early because I have four and five year old. So <laughs> I'm actually more of a fan of the early days. But anyway, that is your timings. Like I said, we will try and post those somewhere that is really accessible. But, you know, double check those, figure out your timing, figure out your time zone. And yeah, it would be great for it to get as much support as possible so that they really see the benefit of showing it everywhere. Mm. Which is exciting. Guys, do we have any more to say on F1 Academy? No. no. I'm just excited to be able to watch it live, though, because I I'm know. terrible about watching things recapped. Like, I haven't mm-hmm. even watched, to give away when we were recording this, I haven't even watched guitar qualifying yet. <laughs> I don't know, but we literally, we started recording. It literally just happened. <laughs> 20 minutes after qualifying finished and it was a spicy qualifying which I'm not going to spoil for either of you even though I really want to but yeah, re- watching things back is hard and it's less interesting than watching it live because you do know what happens, you're always sat there knowing what happened, so it will be really really cool to have F1 Academy available to watch, um, I hope, like I say I hope that the girls get the most phenomenal support at the track if you're going, give them a hug and a kiss from us tell them we love them you know, please do support me if you if you are heading over to Austin. And yeah, we'll be back next week with our pre-US Grand Prix episode where we are going to be talking about Drive to Survive and how that's impacted the American market, all of that good stuff. So we will see you all next week. Happy non-race weekend, if there's such a thing. And yeah. Rude. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got any questions on anything we discussed today, or there are topics you'd love to learn about with us in the future, then we would love to hear from you. You can get in touch on Instagram at PrettyGirlF1Club and on Twitter at PGF1C, or follow us on TikTok at PGF1C. See you soon!